Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good morning, afternoon and evening everyone. Welcome to the Game Week 5 pod of the FPL Wire, powered by Dreamset Go. I'm your host Zofa and I'm joined as always by my friend Big Man Bucket. How's it going buddy? Thanks for having me Zof. Um, yeah, it's, it's going well. I had a decent game week, 71 points, um, took a 4 point hit. Despite that, I got a 100k green arrow, so I'm very happy with how things went. Uh, Ronaldo was my captain, and I had Trent, which uh, brought home the significant majority of my points. So overall, it was a it was a good game week, and um, fortunately enough, I I, I didn't own Calvert-Lewin. and I uh, I was spared the misery. Um, but I, I I feel for uh, their owners, and we have one right here in in Late Riser who bought him in for a hit. So why don't you talk us through the experience? Uh, <laughs> so my temperament has been pinging from uh, tilt to calm in the past uh, 24 to 48 hours. And I've been very confused in terms of uh, what to do, been all over the place, uh, been bothering both of you all and been bothering a few people, a few of my friends from FPL Twitter, Baker and FPL Rouser and Dan, FPL Bullet. But uh, I have absorbed a lot more information today, took the time out, come calmly just absorbed a lot more information and uh, feeling a lot better calm down and uh, looking forward to just chatting with your boys uh, fpl as we know it uh, you know came back last week and where you, you you can take like one sort of uh, bad beat in one week you know where uh, i i owned ryan webster and uh, he was hauled off in the 36th minute and Brighton kept that clean sheet and then you hear the dcl news when you've been looking forward to uh you know, watching Monday Night Football all weekend and then that happens. So, and, and plus I missed a lot of the action on the weekend. It was my birthday. So, the what happened on Saturday, Sunday is quite a blur. I don't remember much of it. So, I've been looking forward to the Monday Night 
football game that happened and then DCL was injured and suddenly I'm sitting with DCL Antonio no bench I'm sitting with Webster and I'm wondering what the hell to do and I'm been thinking about wild carding or not wild carding and at the moment I'm in a calm zen state of mind but I won't be surprised if I'm easily shifted uh, got 68 minus 4 sort of like a gray arrow I went down 1k ranks don't matter at the moment I went down from 322 to 323k so how was your week decent 74 minus 4 the majority of the points brought home by Manchester United 26 points for Ronaldo 5 points each for Greenwood and Shaw apart from that Trent and Salah you want me to send you a kit <laughs> you can keep it <laughs> Right, so right. let's get uh, let's stuck get into the sponsor. Yeah, cool. Dreamset Go is a global portal for fans to gain access to sporting events around the world. Accommodation, flight tickets, hospitality, stadium visits—everything can be tailored exactly to your requirements. They also do celebrity experiences, which include master classes with your favorite sports celebrity, or something as simple as birthday shoutouts. You can find links to the products in the description below. They're also tying up with some top-notch Premier League clubs, which we will reveal to you very soon. We can't just yet, but safe to say, I'm very excited about it. Pranil, yes, uh, we're also partners with uh, Fantasy Football Scout. All the stats that you see on the podcast are from FF from the FFS members area. If you haven't signed up, do sign up with them. Uh, click on the link in the description below, and if you're signing up, use our links because it helps us because we're affiliated with Fantasy Football Scout. Also, a uh, shout out: we've had a few Patreon signups in the last couple of weeks. So, a shout out to Sachin Rajput, uh, Phil Donnell, uh, Abhishek Ganti, Scott White, and Tavsif Alvi for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we don't do any exclusive, different paid content at the moment. All of our content is free, so this is just to support us. If you want to pay us three or six pounds a month, that's about it. And uh, we've also started a league. Uh, so if you want to join our league, the description is on the screen, and uh, I can't, I can't quite see it there. It's G K T I Y M. So. Uh, Join our league, and we'll be announcing very exciting prizes shortly. So, what do we have first off? Right. So, I thought instead of having a like a structured agenda, there's so much to talk about. We can talk fixture by fixture, and then as the topic comes into it, Antonio, etc., Jota, Bamford, we can start. But let's start off first with Palace Spurs, the Conor Gallagher show. What did you guys think about this, Bucker? Absolutely, I was uh, thoroughly impressed by his performance. Actually, uh, I watched the game um, live, and um, Spurs were all over the place. What caught me by surprise um, was the fact that I expected Spurs to sort of struggle in the game, but but for them to struggle to such a huge extent was uh, was actually sort of eye opening for me. I, I didn't expect that to happen. I'll give you a stat here. So, uh, so Palace managed to accumulate. Almost nine times as many shots as Spurs in the game. Spurs had just the two, which was lowest of all teams in the game week. Palace had 18, and Palace were all over them thoroughly. They thoroughly deserved the victory. As far as Gallagher is concerned, uh, I I was watching him with a lot of interest. He was taking set pieces. He was getting into good, promising positions. And uh, when I looked at the numbers after the game, I it was of no surprise to me that he was. uh top among all players for sh- uh, shots in the 6 yard box in this this week game week and second for big chance and moments i think at 5.6 he could be a, a a good option to to own particularly palace have a bit of a fixture swing in in game week 9 uh 
after that i think uh, they they could he could be a good option to own i i don't mind owning him actually you know zoff um this this idea was uh, was sort of presented to me by a friend of mine he he's on wildcard this week and he presented me this idea of rotating marsal with with gallagher till game week 9 i i i actually like it because it helps you to keep the structure and it also allows you to take advantage of marsal's fixtures till 9 tell me bakar yeah. i just uh, want to ask you Gallagher's a 5.5 5.6 million option and we've got a uh, trio of Everton midfielders in that price bracket who are better fixtures at the moment so do you go with the fixtures or do you go with the underlings um i mean as far as the core and gray is concerned i mean gray in particular is the one i'd i'd look at but i think i'd still prefer someone like a gallagher over him because his stats seem more sustainable i don't think um the way grays is playing is is sustainable in the long run i mean he could do well especially in game week 6 against norwich but other than that i i don't think he's going to do much what if you're dead ending your team in a couple of game weeks cuz palace have liverpool brighton and leicester next what if you're dead ending the yeah in, in that case wild... I, i'd go with i'd go with gray because of the norwich fixture what about you zov in case people want to you know go down to a five and a half million midfielder right now to fund a big hitter in the forward bracket which way would you lean definitely either andros or gray the short term fixtures but gallagher i think is going to be a great if you want to get him in now for the long run he's a great because the potential he showed i think in difficult fixtures means he's on all their set pieces he looks to be one of their primary goal threats you could argue his goal involvement is going to be higher than the everton mids correct correct and i just wanted to you know i thought this is the last time nuno is going to be playing a three in the midfield that system just did not work i mean you had it just didn't work and uh, what i do want to mention though is that spurs do have better players coming into the team uh, so defensively i wouldn't be too worried and a lot of people are talking about you know chelsea are going to streamroll them but they they played their center backs were not even the first in the first three or four choices and uh, i think uh, losel uh, losel romero sanchez are going to be coming in losel so is somebody they're missing because they don't have creativity in the midfield at the moment something is up with endombele as well and with uh, skip and hoberg and uh, wings there's just nobody who's providing the creativity in the midfield so i think once that happens it'll change but i'm not interested in the spurs attack at all at the moment defensively i think they should improve once uh, Romero and Sanchez are coming. What, what are you expecting with that Chelsea game at the weekend so far? Let's talk about it when we get to that section. But I think we should be, ha- be having a comprehensive victory, two nil, something around those lines. All right. But anybody interested in any Spurs oh, assets at the moment? Nope. Nope. All right. It I just want to reinforce uh, those Gallagher stats. Uh, since game week two, amongst all players, he's top for XGI, and uh, since his debut. Uh, amongst FPL midfielders, he's second for shots. He's third for shots in the box. He's second for shots on target, and he's first for big chances. So those underlying numbers are actually just really, really convincing. I think he's if if one of the Everton boys come through or ESR comes through as a sustainable 5.5 million asset, I have no doubt Gallagher is going to be a sustainable 5.5 million asset as well. It it might enable uh, three bigeters. Zoff, you flirt, flirted around with that sort of a structure uh, for the fan zone show earlier. Do you think? You like the look of that? Yeah, if you had asked me maybe a couple of weeks earlier, I would have still said 3 p.m. is not possible. But there's an argument to go for that. And if you want to go for that, I think these midfielders like your Grays, your Sars, your Triores, they are possibly are going to come into the picture. You can probably you can throw three of them in there and you could still have 
a defense of, let's say, Marsal, Christensen, Trent. Because you want to keep these three guys with Trent. Trent is a non-negotiable for me, even more so than Salah, I think. At 7.5, he delivers you the output of a 10 or 11 million player. So, uh, Bakar, where are you at on two premiums versus three? I'm still in the two premiums camp. I I mean, I know that Lukaku scored um, twice this week, which uh, sort of makes this harder to argue for this week than it was at this point last week. But I still don't think that um, that it is the efe- efficient use of funds to invest in three players when you'll likely be rotating between just the two for captaincy. So I, I still prefer going in with the two meds uh, two um, premium assets because I don't like the over reliance and the over dependence on um, on the heavy hitters yeah this is something I read on Twitter I actually want to give out a shout out to FPL Bagan boy where he said that uh, the goalposts are going to shift very very quickly this season you know today two premiums look like the right way to go tomorrow we have all three banging in a race again and it looks like three premiums is the way to go I think something we need to do this season is keep a very open mind and if uh, us as content creators anybody's sticking their neck out on Twitter and saying that this is the way to go and if your mind changes next week don't have ego attached to it because I think especially this season because of the flurry of options I think that could be the downfall of you and FPL let's move on to the next yeah, go on, go on, question sir. I want to put on from a strategy standpoint, what is going to come down to, I think Ronaldo is going to have close to 50% ownership by about when United have their fixture swing. And this reminds me very much of the situation last year when Sun and Kane were on fire, their combination was around 40% owned. <laughs> so at, do you, have, you have to make a decision. Do you play safe by sticking to those guys and ensure you don't lose rank? Or do you go or take the risk, go bet against those guys in the tough fixtures, put the money elsewhere? Yeah, the decision is going to come around game week 7, right? You and me were having actually a pretty long conversation in terms of 7 or 8 in terms of when to do wildcard as well. So, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, uh, we played really well against Everton in preseason. Yes, it was preseason. But, you know, if they're going to be without DCL as well in game week 7, how many people are going to make that shift from uh, uh, Ronaldo to Lukaku? Who's going to be playing Southampton at home? I, I don't know if United keep sustaining this. Then, who knows? We'll get more to United in the next one. Let's talk about Arsenal Norwich. Arsenal had so many shots away. They finally put one away. And I think it's a beginning of a good run for them. When Partey came on, they were much better. He played a part in the goal as well. And I think with their fixtures coming, it's not a bad idea to get into the Gunners right now. What what happened when Partey came on? Uh, what was the shape in the front six? I'm very curious to know. It's a similar shape, the chain, but he was the one who really carries the ball from back to front. Even he was the one who made that diagonal pass. Also, the midfield, like to, I think it was Pepe to take the shot. Yeah, the reason I ask this question is because I'm a little worried about the nailed onness of anybody behind Oba at the moment. Whether because did Odegaard play in midfield along with Partey, and then what happens to ESR, Pepe, and Saka? Who who are they not nailed? Odegaard started. Uh, playing as a 10, 10 in that game. So I'm worried what happens when ESR is also integrated into the team. Because I yeah. think everybody's a rotation risk then. Completely agree. Because I think that game he had Oba on the left, Laka central. He could easily toss people around. He could even play ESR on the left wing. You don't know yet. I think it's a bit of a wait and watch in terms of the attack. Give them another few weeks. Because I don't think the next three fixtures are that easy. It's Burnley, Brighton and Spurs. Correct. Bakar, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, fantasy interest in this game was uh, more or less limited to just the Arsenal defense. And, you know, they were decent this this game week, conceding uh, just the five shots inside the box. I won't read too much into it because it's it's Norwich. But but the thing to note here is the fact that Ramsdale played and he kept a clean sheet and Arteta was uh, very, very uh, sort of appreciative of his performance. And he sort of hinted, uh, there was an article in The Athletic as well, he sort of hinted that uh, he's going to keep his place if he keeps on performing well. Um, which is of relevance to to all three of us actually, because you know we're considering wildcard in and around that game week seven to eight mark. So in case we we're wildcarding, Arsenal have a beautiful run of fixtures after game week eight. So in case Ramsdale um, looks like playing, I think he could be a very good option at four point five. Yeah, I mean this is one of the things which I was looking at when uh, I was thinking about you know panically uh, putting the pushing the wildcard button. Uh, this game week, because uh, like uh, Utkarsh mentioned, you know, you, uh, Arsenal have Burnley, Spurs, and Brighton next. I actually want to gain information from these next three game weeks, and I want to get into an Arsenal attacker. And I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, Pepe could be the one. Uh, he had six shots and six chances created, and, he, and uh, he's got that. Uh, I don't know how to say. He's, he he looks like the best FPL pick in terms of how selfish he is, etc. As well, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I want to see what happens there. Uh, one thing I do want to point out uh, was that White created three chances from deep. Uh, so that is something. Did you see the XA on those? It was a combined XA of 0.03. Oh, so really, really. Uh, it's something he did for Brighton as well. There were ball, balls from the deep where he tried to play Nobar or something of that, that sort. If I'm not mistaken, I think he would have had a share of the bonus as well had he not gotten the, the yellow card. Yeah, he's traditionally yeah, yeah. good for bonus because he does so many mm. passes and stuff like that. I love that Magnus Carlsen got an Aubameyang on his wildcard <laughs> last week. Yeah. Also, something that could be very interesting uh, game week 7 or 8 onwards uh, because Oba was showing signs of getting back to his best. And except for last season, he's been a 20-goal-a-season goal scorer throughout. And, you know, if things start to click with Arsenal, their run game week 8 onwards is great. And I do like the strategy... Uh, sort of structure that Magnus did where he had two big hitters and the third one is a 10 million asset in that Son price range. It's it's something that could work, especially because Arsenal have such a sustained run of uh, good fixtures. So I, I want to see what happens. Definitely. Yeah. Move on? Yeah. Uh, just, just, just a couple of Norwich. things, I think, actually. Norwich, Norwich. and I want to talk about uh, their uh, wingbacks. Uh, because what I noticed was the Japanese guy, he was actually sitting deep and uh, a lot of the times uh, Arsenal defended as a three and uh, Tierney was bombing forward a lot. So, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later or three weeks later on wildcard, the decision could be between Semedo and Tierney because Tierney is bombing forward a lot as well and he's still 4.9 million. So, I just think uh, that's worth bringing out where it's sort of lopsided like how uh, Mourinho, how Pochettino Mourinho used to do at Spurs as well. So, just something worth noting. Yeah, Mourinho with Audi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Norwich have a good run of fixtures. They have Watford, Everton, Burnley, Brighton. Good run of fixtures right until game week 14. Uh, what I'm uh, worried about, any idea why there was so much rotation? They played a completely different team. No Rashika, no Cant 12, uh, no starting CBs. Uh, what, what happened there? I think two things. Number one, internationals. You had a lot of players who played three games for, like, let's say, Scotland. You had Gilmore who played a lot, A. And B, I sort of didn't really think of this as a very winnable fixture. Maybe for some reason, you prefer not to risk these guys in this game. 
Umar Bitelli, I think, played because he was he was class for uh, for Ireland apparently in in the international. So I think uh, he was rewarded for for those performances. And I and from what I read, I, he he did well, and he's expected to start again this week. Nice, nice. Uh, any uh, what do you, what are you guys thoughts on Pukki as a budget asset? The fixtures are there. Thoughts, Bakar? I won't go there. Uh, Norwich, they just don't seem to uh, carry too much threat. I, I mean, I, I can't say with any sort of confidence that you know they'll they'll score in um, in any game at, at the moment. So I won't go there personally. Yeah. I, I still think if you're looking for someone in that uh, price range, exactly Adam Armstrong or even Tony is is better in my opinion. I don't know if I'm agreeing with you boys here because I saw that Leicester game and they matched Leicester. Pretty much in that game. They're playing some really good football. Uh, and once Gilmore comes back uh, and Rashika and Cantwell, I, I like those players. And Pookie's 5.9 million now. And you're looking at those fixtures right until game week 14. I'm just going to read out the Norwich fixtures for you guys. There's Watford, Everton, Burnley, Brighton, Chelsea, Leeds, Brentford, Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle. That's just a great run of fixtures. I think at 5.9 million, he could be a good set. And forget the only worry that I have is they have this player called Adam Ida who's been coming on and looking fairly all right every time on the 70th minute. And Pookie's getting 70 minutes and not 90. Uh, but you do have to take note that Norwich was a team that uh, started the season with half their squad having COVID. So all of them have slow recovery processes, etc. But they have shown some promise in the way they've been playing, in my opinion. I wouldn't write them off. I mean, you can you can argue that they they have good fixtures, but in my personal opinion, I think they are the good fixture. They are the ones to target themselves. And also, yeah. the fixtures aren't that good, right? Look, I'd argue the Watford fixture is probably great. Then you have Everton away, tough. Burnley away, tough. Brighton not easy as I'm, well. I'm, I'm, I'm not at all talking about from a defensive point of view. I'm talking, no, I'm about talking about even from attack. I don't think the fixtures yeah. are great. They're all right, but they're not right. great fixtures. By themselves is what the point. I, I, I just think whatever I've seen of Cantwell, Rashika, uh, and Gilmore, I think is a fabulous player. I think they've got a team in there that that will score a few goal goals. And Pookie's involvement rate when it comes to goal involvement is generally very Sad. high as well. Fair. So that that's just something where I wouldn't be against a Pookie punt at the moment. I, I like what I've seen from Norwich. Fair enough. Should we move on? Yep. yep. You were talking about Tony. Let's just segue into that over here. I didn't watch much of this game. I thought Mbuemo, from what I saw, had the better chances again than Tony. He had around, I think, four shots in the box. He fluffed them all. But what do you think, Tony, owners, stick or sell? Bakar? I I mean, if there are no pressing concerns, then I would consider selling. But, I mean, I'm, it's not something which is a priority transfer, in my opinion. He's... Uh, his numbers over the past couple of weeks have been decent. And even this week uh, alone, he should have had an assist that uh, MWMO chance you're talking about. It was going to be a Tony assist. Um, I, I think he's, he's worth uh, keeping if, the if fixtures, you... I'm just reading out the fixtures over here. It's Wolves away, Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Leicester. Tough fixtures. Who do you sell him for is the question, right? I mean, that's, that's the problem. I mean, I'm assuming that you can't actually... Um, go to someone in a similar uh, sort of uh, upgrade. So you have to pick someone in a similar price range. I mean, I won't sell him for someone like a Pukki. No, I I don't advocate that. (laughs) I would rather have Brentford with tough fixtures rather than Norwich with good fixtures. No, that I don't agree. I don't agree. Yeah, yeah. Bunker, I'm almost ready to wager here that Pukki outdoes Tony in the next 10 game weeks. Shall we do a Johnny Evans bet? 
Chani, no, 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 no bets which involve any sort of uh, moves into the into our own F- FPL transfers. Just no, personally, I've I've been impressed with with Brentford. I mean, I I I don't see a reason I, uh, that they just gets battered by by the tougher teams. I mean, I won't be surprised if he scored in some of those fixtures: West Ham, Liverpool. I mean, he's on penalties as well. I I don't think that he becomes a bad option overnight. Yeah, yeah, their defensive stats are actually really, really good. Uh, given yep. the fixtures they've had as well, I think only one or two teams have conceded more big chances, if I remember correctly, as well. Absolutely. So Brentford' right. defensive numbers are good, and if I saw the highlights against Brighton. I haven't seen the game. I saw I saw a match of the day. Uh, they had the better of Brighton for most of the game, in my opinion. For sure. And what what I could make out from the game, watching the game, is uh, Evan Tony is a Premier League player. He's quality. Like the, his awareness, his chance creation, everything, and they've got a little bit of Crouch and Defoe happening there from old school Pompey days uh, with uh, Mbuemo and Ivan Tony, and I quite like that partnership. But uh, I think Zoff, you were spot on. It's it's a don't buy, don't sell. Maybe hold on for that Wolves fixture. I don't mind the shift to Pookie personally. I'm I'm worried a little bit about uh, Adam Armstrong after uh, Roja. Uh, came on in the last 20 good. minutes and put on a good show. So that's something I've gone off a little of Armstrong at the moment. So Puki is the one, only one in this price bracket for me at the moment. If you are to switch from Ivan Tony. Fair enough. Anything one last point. Uh, Brighton had just the four shots in this game. So it just tells me that, you know, if, if you'd invested uh, in someone like a, a David Raya, you were you were actually very unlucky not to come out of that game with a clean sheet. XG of just 0.2 for Brighton. Yeah, this is, is this is all the, just the most uh, anti anti Brighton the most anti Brighton thing you can you can hear. They are reverting to the mean from last season. This is not the first game that where they've not been done doing well when it comes yep. to the expected stats. So this this is just XG karma uh, beginning to uh, come full circle. Yeah. yeah uh, just go ahead. Yeah, go on. So I just wanted to say now I think Duffy. We previously thought he was short term, but like you mentioned, due to the injury to Webster, I think Duffy is pretty nailed now. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. And uh, we don't know the grade of uh, Webster's strain at the moment. So I think we just need to wait until Potter's press conference to see what happens there. But uh, what was interesting to see is that uh, once Webster uh, did go off, they didn't shift back to three at the back. They played with four at the back. So there was a change of shape there. And uh, Duffy and Dunk are play- used to playing with each other previously as well. So, uh, yeah, a slightly more longer-term pick than before. But my issue with Brighton is I think the strongest clean sheet fixtures are now gone. Uh, It's a a little more, uh, as Bakar would like to say, iffy at the moment. I'm I'm not sure when it comes to the... Yeah, I'm not sure of the fixtures right now. That's all. Can we get some likes for Bakar's new internet, please? Yes, guys. uh, We've got 700 of you all watching and just 126 likes. Uh, Make sure you're hitting like uh, because it just helps us to get... uh, discovered and it helps our optics that's all I'll all right what do we have internet i'm so happy i don't have to see bucker disappear into the matrix anymore to, to be fair <laughs> to be fair i mean bucker had planned that because uh, there was a big matrix uh, trailer that came out this weekend so it was just a prelude to that big announcement we were pretty much uh, we tied up with the matrix and this was a sponsored thing that we did last weekend there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one more thing on brighton do you think if anyone is on wildcard now stick with sanchez uh, you know, we we I think we had this discussion last week. I mean, I, I still think it's worth uh, sticking with uh, sticking with Sanchez simply because of the uh, the fact that you know um, when you're picking a, a keeper, it's supposed to be for the long term. You don't want to be wasting your transfer on a keeper. Uh, and you know, the thing with Brighton is they're still conceding 
a decent amount of shots. It, it's just that most of them have been on target. I know that Sanchez has not been making saves. It's just the fact that they are conceding a lot of shots from outside the box. They're still averaging around 11 shots per game conceded. And I think with the fixtures coming up, which are a bit dodgy, he might make more saves. And there is a chance, given how rigid the Brighton defense can be, that he might actually... Uh, accumulate a haul given the sort of uh, difficulty of the fixtures. I, I won't get rid and I think he's a good option for the long run because you want to set and forget uh, keeper when you're on a wild card. Mm. What about you, Zoff? What would you do? Probably stick, I think, with Sanchez because Rhea's fixtures ultimately look really tough and I've, I've totally gone off Watford. I think we need to forget whatever we saw from the championship last season. I don't think they look like a very good defensive outfit. So, if you would go up next to money, I like Jose Sars fixtures. If you're going to spend five million, the Wolves' defense definitely looks like one you need some a piece of for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'd either move up to Saar or I'd roll the dice on Ramsdale. I think I'd do that given mm. the fixtures. Ramsdale's an interesting one because, like you said, I think you were keen on him, but I just don't know under Arteta. You just suddenly shove Leno in for one game, the odd game. If Ramsdale, Ramsdale yeah. has a howler. The, the I, thing, I think after a couple of games, the situation might get more clearer. Yeah, I just take the gamble right now if on wildcard, that's all. It, if it doesn't work, your team is a, a few transfers ahead of everybody else's anyway because you're wildcarding today. I'd take that gamble because I. The, the thing about Ramsdale is that he's good with his feet as well and that's something Arteta wants in his team. And that's something that might continue. So, yeah. And just a shout out to FPL General. I think his favorite keeper is going to become everyone's uh, keeper <laughs> pretty soon. Maybe around game week 7, game week 8. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Move on, Leicester. Yeah, yeah Leicester versus Man City. I think both of you all have Ferran. Why don't you all talk us talk about the game? Bakar? Yeah. Azov chose to copy me on uh, on my transfer this week. <laughs> That's why I did my is, transfer uh, whole 12 hours earlier, right? <laughs> which is often the case. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, City, uh, in my opinion, really should have had more more goals. Uh, I haven't been le- impressed with Leicester uh, much this season. And, and I think City had the better of them as, as expected. I think the scoreline should have been higher. Uh, City had an XG of 2.8, which is one of the best uh, this week. 25 shots, including 21 from inside the box, which just tells you how much they dominated. You know, but almost 90% of their shots were inside the box. And... I was impressed with Torres. I mean, he had four shots inside the box and his movement was great. He had nine penalty area touches. Um, as as long as he's starting, I don't even mind him playing just the 60-odd minutes because he's likely to do better than um, a lot of other players in that price range. And I think he's likely he, to represent value. He, he'll get the volume. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, the other thing which I noticed this this week is is that Grealish's numbers were actually pretty decent. He he was top for chances created in, in this game. And now that this takes him uh, to actually second highest for chances created um, over the season. And he has, he was playing in a very sort of advanced role as well. He, even though he's, he's wide, he's still advanced. And this is the thing with Grealish. Even though when you look at him from the eye test, he's, he's not really appealing. But you look at his numbers and almost in every game, he's getting a, a big chance of moment here or there. You know, so I, I don't... I, I think he's he's worth keeping an eye on. I mean, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with De Bruyne and Foden back, but just, just worth pointing out. I just want to actually point out something very important that I want to give a shout out to Luke Disable, uh, who pointed something out uh, on Twitter where... Uh, this is something that even Neil wrote in the FFS article where Pep is uh, very much talking about uh, having one player on his dominant uh, foot having that player on either side. And that player on the left-hand side is uh, Bernardo Silva because he's 
the left sided cm and he wants to have that option of having a first time cross in uh, because uh, cancelo is actually uh, right footed and he's playing as an inverted fullback so that's something uh, which might bode well for ferran because uh, i i looked into the stats as well and city are top of the league for crosses so far this season so that is something that uh, you know they are reverting back to uh where they're just crossing a lot crossing a lot and that bodes well for Ferran Tor- Torres because uh Pep talking about having the right-footed player on the right side and having at least one left-footed player on the left side and them having being top of the league for crosses so far in the season I think it just bodes well for uh it bodes well for Grealish it bodes well for Gabriel Jesus because uh Jesus uh you know is right-footed and is playing on the right wing. But I don't know what happens when Kevin De Bruyne comes into the team because we know he's right-footed. And he'll probably be playing in that uh, right midfield for uh, uh, Man City. So probably when De Bruyne comes, Pep might make the shift to Mares if he wants to. But he likes having a dominant foot on either side. So I think that was just an interesting op- op- uh, observation. And I think it's also really, really good for Cancelo. Uh, if Bernardo is playing on that side... Uh, he's somebody we've overlooked and not spoken about on the pod too much in the first four game weeks. So, uh, interesting to see what happens when uh, the Champions League starts. But uh, we are going to be wildcarding in two or three weeks. They are top of the league with Chelsea for clean sheets so far. And their stats are also better than City. Uh, better than Chelsea. I don't know how Chelsea kept a clean sheet against Villa. But yeah, just uh, something worth monitoring, I think. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add, Bakar, you said that City dominated this game. I don't entirely agree. I think Leicester had a few good chances and I think City were very lucky to get three points here. Dominated in terms of chances, I I, I meant, not not in terms of... Right, but in terms of like good scoring opportunities, yeah, I thought Leicester had a few as well. Yeah, Barnes hit the post. There was that Vardy cross to Barnes as well. Uh, there was a Vardy offside goal as well, which doesn't count in the stats as well. So yeah, those, those are the chances that uh, they have. Uh, City have only conceded one big chance in the last three game weeks. So I think uh, when we are wildcarding in a few weeks, I think at least one City defender uh, uh, is going to be pretty nailed in our team. Uh, while Before we just started podding, just a bit of news that came out uh, was that uh, Stones and Laporte, right? Both of them didn't okay. uh, train in the open yeah, training but... session. Uh, so just something worth monitoring for those that own or are considering buying at the moment. Should we move on? Anything to add here? Nope. I'm Look. good. United, Newcastle. The floor is yours, Pranav. Uh, so, I think to start start with, I was really worried in the first 40 minutes because uh, if you remember on the last part, I mentioned that uh, I don't know functionally how our system is going to work. The only reason I'm buying Ronaldo is because of the talent that we are going to be putting on the pitch and that's exactly what happened. We weren't functional in the first 40-45 minutes. Uh, we didn't create that much. We didn't look like a team that's been playing with each other for a long time. Uh, but then you buy a guy having scored a million goals because he's the one who knows uh, to even make that run when Greenwood is taking a shot from far and that's what you get uh, owning a Cristiano Ronaldo because that experience comes into play uh, when you're doing something like that. So the talking point is, yeah, Ronaldo, I, I have him... Uh, down to score 20, 25 goals this season. So, he's going to be coming into play. Uh, us as a team will take some time to click. Uh, us as a team will take some time to improve. Shaw's looking good. Uh, I don't know how many clean sheets he's going to keep, but as a creative asset, he's looking good. The one I'm worried about is uh, Mason Greenwood because uh, he was spending a lot more time on the wings uh, 
more than usual and uh, i think his output is going to go down a fair bit i'm hoping the next two games uh, suit united more because uh, i don't think west ham are going to sit as deep they will play a little bit uh, i think that will be the case with villa as well so i'm hoping there are some counter opportunities for mason or something uh, of that sort uh, some aren't going to sit deep but they don't have antonio or david moyes sorry west ham yeah, aren't going to come at you west ham are going to sit super deep Yep, yep, yep. I won't be surprised if they revert to three at the back in the next game as well, mm. uh, because of no Antonio. So he might do something to change shape. And uh, I, I didn't think Bruno looked too bad. Very honestly, his, his stats were poor in comparison to Ronaldo. He was making but that Ronaldo... late run a few times. I saw him get into the box a few times. And sorry to interrupt yeah. you. The lineup has just come in for the UCL fixture. Greenwood is benched. Van de Beek starts. Varane is benched. Ronaldo starts. Nice. Brilliant. Nice. Like that. Like that. Is Shaw uh, starting? Shaw starting, yeah. But I think because yeah. Teles is injured, he's not even on the bench. Who's who's playing in mm. place of Greenwood in that front three? So I think he's playing Pogba on the left and he's playing uh, this one uh, on midfield, right? And Van Sancho's playing? Spot. Sancho's playing. Yeah, Sancho. Okay, got it. Got it. Uh, I won't be surprised to see Jesse Lingard start at the weekend then. Uh, because uh, mm. Sancho hasn't looked very mm. effective. He'll take some time to get used to the... League and I thought Lingard looked sharp when he came on. So I think Lingard is going to play a pretty decent squad role for us this season. But uh, yeah, Bruno, I think you make the shift to uh, Ronaldo when you can afford it. But I wouldn't be taking a hit or pulling plugs to get Ronaldo and sell Bruno now because I think if you are going to make that move, you make that move in game week four when you have that prime Newcastle home fixture. Uh, I don't think West Ham and Villa are going to be uh, as easy fixtures and I don't know how good we are functionally still. So, you guys, what do you guys on, think? It depends on when you're going to wildcard. I think if you're not going to wildcard soon, then you need to create that structure for the third forward even if you're going to get in Lukaku. So, might as well do it now. Agreed. Agreed. Bakar? Okay, so also, I have some... In? Go ahead. Just just one thing, Bakar, before you start. Uh, just one sure. thing. I would do want to mention that Ronaldo did have a tendency to shift on the left a lot. Which is something United strikers have done in the past when we're talking about Greenwood and Marshall. So, that could open up space for Bruno Sentry. <coughs> That's just something I noticed as well. Because Ronaldo did come deep a fair bit. He did link up play better than I expected him to. And he shifted to the left. Drifted to the left a fair bit. That's true. Yeah. Bakar. Go on, Bakar. Yeah. So... So I, I agree that um, I, I don't think it's worth taking a um, a hit to sell him uh, this week because uh, because Ronaldo is not the obvious captain captaincy sh- uh, shout for Bruno to uh, Fernandez but uh, to Ronaldo but I think it might be worth it in in game week six um, personally because it would give you that that structure to to get Lukaku in seven if you don't have the wild card in my opinion I think it's worth the transfer in six. Um, Bruno had five shots, all from outside the box, and even though he yeah, he created a, a big chance, which is likely to be the case. I mean, I think he's uh, he's gonna uh, keep on creating chances, and I don't think uh, if if anything, this is only going to improve his uh, creative potential. But as compared to Ronaldo, Ronaldo had a xGI of one point two, Bruno had it of of point seven. So I think Ronaldo is clearly the superior pick to have at the moment. Uh, Mason Greenwood had just the one shot inside the box. Uh, and two two shots, both were from distance. He was very fortuitous to get that assist from from the deflection, in my opinion. You spoke about Shaw um, and and the fact that uh, United, you're not too sure about United's clean sheets. I I disagree on that point. When I look at uh, United's next three fixtures, uh, they're facing West Ham without Antonio. So West Ham without Antonio, last season their xG was 
1.1 without Antonio with with Antonio it's 1.8 that's a significant difference i think they'll probably struggle this week um which is also worth noting with for benrama owners you know because it also limits his potential um i think they simply play better with antonio on the side then they have willa who haven't been playing well at all this season they're still bottom uh for xg from open play this year and in the third fixture shaw has uh, everton who will all in all like he would be without caverlewen now without caverlewen everton last season averaged 0.9 big chances per game as compared to 2.1 big chances per game Av- average xg dropped from 1.3 to 0.8 as well so i think shaw is a good shout for clean sheets in the next three fixtures agree Interesting. Interesting. Bakar, just wanted to ask you, actually, this is something I remember from last season. Did Bruno have a tendency to do better away or something like that? <laughs> no, I'm gen- no, I'm generally asking because well, I-, I want to ask. I, I think, no, honestly, I, I as, far as, as far as I can recall, I think that was the case in the first half of the season. But I, I don't think necessarily that was the case in the second half of the season. All right. Cool. I mean, cool. United were so, right. better in the away. I think you guys are still undefeated, right? On the road. Yeah, still undefe- yeah, still undefeated. And we always tend to go a goal down early in those away games as well. It happened with West Ham as well last season. Correct. So, yep. I think, move on. Anything else to add here? Mm, no. Yeah, Newcastle are averaging 2.5 XGC per game at the moment. I think that's just insane defensively. And uh, uh, the, the good thing about Newcastle, they actually go on a little bit of a run. If uh, Callum Wilson was fit right now, he'd, he'd be in play because the next three fixture, next two fixtures are Leeds and Watford. From an attacking point of view, you do like that. So, uh, I wish Wilson was there, but they do counter well. I thought Almiron uh, had a really, really good game. He pressed well and did well when it, on the counter as well. And if he can support... Uh, uh, Saint Max, well, I think they might do something on the counter because Leeds are conceding chances for fun at the moment. So I don't know if uh, Luke Ailing is going to keep a clean sheet, but that's just something we talk about later. Just wanted to add that Newcastle are terrible in defense, but uh, they can play in attack. I reckon they need to they need to they can counter attack again. But I think most teams are going to attack Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle are going to play teams that sit deep. So the point is a bit of Correct. a moot. It's a bit moot. Southampton, West Ham. Bit of a dull game, not much to talk about. I think any stats here, Bakar, you like to add? I think we were mentioning something about Ben Rama earlier. Yeah, Ben Rama, just the two chances created and no shots in the box in the game, no penalty area touch as as well, which was a bit worrying for for no owners like myself. Um, and and Southampton had the had the better of them generally. Uh, Southampton had ten shots inside the box. West Ham had just the five, and. They, this was a pretty dull affair. There were no big chances at all for, for either side. But Southampton had the better of it. And, uh, you know, this this sort of gives me more of an idea that Livermento could actually be playable in, in some of the easier fixtures where Southampton are um, sort of expected to dominate. I, I I think he's actually a playable option in some of the fixtures after game week 7 and 8 when their fixture swing comes. Hasanotel actually spoke about them having... A... A different style of defending this time around. So that's something that just uh, came across. But I just do want to mention that uh, the Southampton game, actually West Ham kept a lot more possession and Southampton sat deep and let West Ham play, which is something they don't like doing, which is why they struggle against the likes of Newcastle also, always. So I do want to mention that, you know, and this is what Palace also did in the second half against uh, West Ham, where they just sat deep deep and let uh, 
West Ham have the ball and West Ham don't know what to do when they have the ball and they like to play on the counter. So I just want to do say that the next two games actually suit West Ham in terms of how uh, they like to play. They've, they scored in both the games against us last season as well. So something worth monitoring. And then they play Leeds United as well and they had the better of Leeds United as well on both occasions last season, if I remember correctly. So I do want to mention that both these games suit how West Ham like to play. Uh, and obviously, Europa is starting this weekend, right, Utkarsh? Yes, day after. Yes, so, yes. so I think we might, might start seeing the effects of that and some tired, jaded legs as well over the weekend when it comes to West Ham. Speaking of tired, jaded legs, let's talk about the big question of the week. Antonio, before we get into statistics for replacements, what do you guys think in terms of holding or selling Antonio Bakker? You first. <laughs> I'd actually like Pranil to go first here because I have this long ass explanation planned no, no, for, for, for the whole of this no, no. topic. You go ahead no, and get my popcorn. Okay, so in my opinion, there, there are two scenarios basically in which you could possibly find yourself in. There's a scenario where you own Calvert Lewin and you where you own Antonio. In this scenario, you, in my opinion, you sell Calvert Lewin because he's the long term injury and you hold on to Antonio because he's not an immediate sell, right? Uh, and you can he's going to be back next week, so you can just afford to keep him on the bench this week. The priority is to sell Calvert-Lewin. The other situation is the situation where I found myself in, where I don't own Calvert-Lewin, and I had Antonio. Um, I have sold um, Antonio for, for Bamford. I, I will make a case for that uh, right here. Uh, I say that because of a couple of reasons. The The first reason is, is the fact that a lot of people are fielding um, the likes of White, Omabidele, Williams, Gilmore this week instead of Antonio, and I don't like any of them options. Uh, Bamford has Newcastle this week. Newcastle, as Pranil mentioned, have abysmal defensive stats. I'll be clear that they're, they're 20th for XG conceded and big chance of conceded this season, and I think Bamford has high potential to do well. Bakar, um, you can argue. Uh, they scored, uh, Leeds United scored seven goals against Newcastle over both games last season. This one, go on. Thank you. Uh, you can argue that I keep hearing this, that Leeds haven't started firing yet this, this season, but but I, I firmly believe that with their fixture swing coming up, uh, they're going to do well. Uh, Bamford's numbers this year are actually on par with, with his numbers last year. There's not much of a difference. There's a slight drop, but I expect it to, um, to, uh, them to get better. I mean, his XGI this year is 0.6 as com- XGI per game as compared to 0.7 last season. Um, then there's the fact is that Europa is going to become a factor. And the main thing why I did the move was because, honestly, I wasn't sure whether I was going to wildcard in gimmick 7 or 8. And a lot of managers have already used their wildcard. So for, this is of particular relevance to those managers who have already used their wildcard. From game week 8 onwards, when you look at uh, Antonio's fixtures, um, he has Ev- Everton away, Spurs at home, Villa away, Liverpool at home. This is his run from game week 8 to 11. When I look at Bamford's fixtures, he has Southampton away, Wolves at home, Norwich away, and Leicester at home. Now, those fixtures are significantly better off than Antonio's fixtures um, from 8 to 11. So, in my opinion, if you are to make that move from 8 to 11, where you, where you prefer owning Bamford anyways, why not do it ahead of Newcastle, West Ham and Watford right now? What about this the pinking, Bakar? I, I, I hopefully... I mean, I don't think it's much of a concern personally, but um, let's see. Let, let's yeah. Fingers crossed that it's nothing more than that. It had me worried. It had me worried. 
Yeah, but I, let's I, see. I, I mean, we, we haven't really heard a concrete, uh, you know, a news for it. Uh, no credible journalist or any news news agency has sort of come up and and said anything on that matter. But uh, Zoff, why were you on Bakar's case for this? I'm curious about that. Because hmm? he did it on Saturday night when Bamford still hadn't played on Sunday. <laughs> I just couldn't get over that. I, I did it because I I didn't want to lose value on Antonio uh, because I had I I was late on Antonio and I had bought him bought him for seven point six and if he had fallen I I would have experienced a drop in value and I had the bag wild card in my back pocket in case you know something went went wrong I could have afforded to, to do something that. might have gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, man, the hamstring is picking. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that. I made the same mistake as you, Bakar. I made that move on. Uh, uh, Monday night because I was on tilt with DCL missing out the game and I needed to do something. Sometimes we just need to feel better about it. I feel immediately as yeah. So I do play this game emotionally. And then in the morning, as soon as I read that little uh, 606 voice note where uh, Bamford is uh, uh, whispering under his breath, pinging, uh, I was like, shit, man. This this is. I was just panic call stations, etc., etc. as well. So yeah, I think uh, you do learn a lesson there. Uh, I wanted to actually ask you guys, is there, is there a lesson to learn with, uh, we'll get to Everton later, but is there a lesson to learn with DCL and what happened with DCL? And if somebody's playing with a niggling toe injury all the time, you are you should be more cautious before transferring that player in. In hindsight, it seems like, yeah, I should have paid more attention to that. But then he also had the best three fixtures on paper for a striker. So is there a lesson to be learned there? Yes and no, I guess. I mean, if the manager says he's training and he's available on the Friday... Then you can't really look back at that and say hindsight, oh, just because he's carrying an injury. We've seen players go through entire seasons. Rashford played almost the entire season last season carrying an injury. Sometimes he'd aggravated, he'd struggled to play midweek. But once a manager confirms a player is available on Friday, you assume he's going to play on that weekend. So it's just bad. I agree. I agree. I've seen I, a lot of that. I, I just well. think it was. I just think it was poor luck, Brunel, because um, I, I don't think it's um, you can sort of be too. A downbeat about this decision because it perfectly made a lot of sense on Friday. In fact, uh, I, I was going through the, the Everton videos of of training and and their fo- photos, and and Cavalloon was looking fine in the video. Honestly, there was no suggestion of him sort of missing out on on Monday. I uh, this is the this is basically you know this is the kind of decision that would have gone against you one out of hundred times, and unfortunately, you just landed on the wrong side of the dice. Right. Should we look at some stats right. for Antonio replacements? Sure, we can do that. So I've got this table here, strikers sorted by expected goal involvement. And no surprise that Antonio, the guy we're thinking of selling, is right on top. So which emphasizes a case that if you don't have any other issues in your team, there's not necessarily a reason to sell Antonio. Ironically, Calvert-Lewin, the guy who's second, is out injured. Lukaku, not really obviously out in the price bracket. Jesus... Jesus is on the 8.6. I thought he was more than that for some reason. Bamford, yes, numbers are good. 11 shots inside the box, only 3 shots on target, 2 big chances. The choices besides Bamford, you have Wilson who's injured, Bucker's favourite, Chris Wood, or the not such great numbers. What do you who do you like Zoff as uh, Bamford replacements looking at numbers? You mean Antonio replacements? Antonio Antonio replacements or DCL replacements? I mean, I really don't see any choice besides Bamford. I think the only other option would probably be Jimenez or Richarlison. 
if you want to take up on Richarlison, it's not bad because you know he's going to be on penalties now. Nobody's going to wrestle the ball off him this time. And the fixtures are good. Again, we just go back looking at, let's have a look at, sort them by fixtures again. You see, Leeds and Wolves have the best fixtures. So that emphasizes again why Jimenez and Bamford probably. I think you, you were mentioning Ian Acho earlier in our talks today. Why have you suddenly considering Ian Acho? Uh, it's because there was just a little bit of a talk uh, under the radar of, uh, you know, Rogers uh, shifting shape, etc. He does need to, but uh, I saw those highlights and a little more sense came later where I think you make the move to Ian Acho after Rogers has played him in a game and after he's had a sustainable set of starts. You don't do it before preempting that. That's just trying to be uh, too smart. So I think the options. For people who want to shift Antonio, I'm with you. I don't think you should shift Antonio if your team can handle it. And if you can field 11, I think he's a good option for the next two. We've got Leeds United and Brentford at home. They are good fixtures. And look at uh, Antonio's numbers. They're good. So what I would do if I was to shift a Calvert-Lewin uh, is... Uh, if Bamford is confirmed fit, and I'm, I'm acting a little hypocritical, saying that you wait for Bielsa's uh, press conference on Thursday, but I did not know about the news. I came to know about it this morning. I made the move last evening. I think now that you know that there might be a slight concern, you wait till Thursday morning for Bielsa's presser and move to Bamford. He seems like the obvious pick. As, otherwise, I'd uh, go down uh, to Jimenez. I think he's the only other option in the price bracket, or I'd go to Puki. Right. I'm just looking at the numbers here also in terms of attack shots inside the box. Wolves are third. XG non-penalty 7.93. Leeds all the way, I think they were around fifth or sixth bottom in terms of shots in the box. XG non-penalty. But what do you think, Bakar? Leeds attacking numbers? They haven't been great this season. I, I agree. They haven't hit the heights of, of last season. Um, and did you want me to go through a whole comparison on Jimenez and, and Bamford? I have one planned. If you want me to run through it right now, yeah, sure, why not? Go for it. Yeah, so um, Jimenez Wolves have basically accumulated almost twice the XG of Leeds, which would make you think that that Jimenez sort of might be the better pick than than Bamford when you're looking at them individually. But there's not much actually in terms of individual numbers. One thing you'll notice is that Jimenez is sort of dropping deep, and he's even though he's getting some shots inside the box, he's He's creating more chances. You know, he's he has like 12 chances created this season. So he's taken a bit of a more creative role with Trinkau, uh, Adama, and the fullbacks are getting the majority of the chances. And, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, um, before this week, uh, Jimenez had, had had no big chance involvement. This was the first week in, he, in which he accumulated two big chance involvement. This was the first week out of the four weeks he's played in. And over the season, he's had just the two as compared to Bamford, who's had three. So Bamford is is actually, you know, doing better. When I look at their fixtures coming up, now this is very pertinent. Jimenez has Brentford, who are third for XG conceded. Then he has Southampton, 12th for XG conceded. Newcastle, 20th for XG conceded. Then Villa, 9th for XG conceded. When you compare them with Bamford's, Bamford has Newcastle, 20th for XG conceded. West Ham, 11th for XG conceded. Watford, 14th for XG conceded. And Southampton, 12th for XG conceded. So none of the teams that Bamford is playing uh, in the next four is in the top 10 for XG conceded, which just makes me feel that Bamford might be the one to go with because okay. he has more of a threat and the fixtures are slightly better. I agree. Well, there's a little bit of a dilemma here, right? Though, Because Wolves have been better in attack compared to Leeds United. And what do you do when something like comes? You go with the team that we know is going to know how to attack better or you rely on the team playing against the weaker opposition defensively. What do you do in such a dilemma? A you know, question. when you look at the XG, Pranil, um, even the Wolves have an XG of, of 8, 
it's not as if Jimenez has contributed to that XG, is, is my counter argument. His XG is, is, is more or less like around the 1, 1. 1.5 mark. I'll, I'll just pull up his numbers over here. Yeah, his XG non penalty sure. is just 0. 0.92 in exactly. last four matches. But, but to counter, counter that point, you also see his expected goal involvement almost doubles that number because his assist potential is probably much higher than any other forward bar came, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You just need that. He just needs that one goal. Even that uh, chance of a set piece where he had that header in a previous season that goes in if it's Jimenez because he always gets that sort of a chance under Nuno and he puts it. He, we're we're known Jimenez to be that guy who gets one or two chances in the second half of a game because Nuno's teams don't create anything in the first half and then he buries them. He, he was reliable for that. So I think he just needs to break that uh, one goal duck at the moment but I, I don't think Jimenez is a bad punt should anything happen to Bamford if Bamford is fine I think you go for Bamford yeah I think we'd yeah, all I agree. be sorted in the top three I think we'd all definitely go for Bamford number two sorry number one Jimenez probably number two Richarlison what about Watkins I thought Watkins was very lively against Chelsea I know the fixtures aren't the best but I don't think Watkins is a too bad a shout far let's have a look at Villa's fixtures again where are they I mean, yeah, the Wolves probably, it's not the best, is it? You probably don't want to go I, there right now. It's not too. I bad. think you play the. I think you play the fixtures with Jimenez in okay. that case. Okay. There's some people you... who asked about Richarlison. He was uh, peripheral last night. Didn't really. Uh, he wasn't really involved. And as I quoted, Everton's defensive, uh, sorry, attacking numbers without DCL are actually not good, and the whole attack actually suffers without them. So I, I won't look at Richarlison as well personally. Yeah, and if you're a DCL owner and a Bruno owner, I think it's also a good time to make that shift given DCL is injured. You get in Ronaldo and then get in a Rafinha or a midfielder for that price. So if you own Bruno and DCL, I think the move is also there for you to make the switch, even if it's for a fit. Hit, I reckon. Right. Cool. Let's move on to the yeah. next fixture. Yes, Watford, Watford versus... Yeah, I think what? we've discussed uh, Jimenez. Uh, Semedo. I want to talk of... about Semedo here. Semedo, so I really don't know how he didn't score. I watched the highlights. I watched it back three times. I just couldn't believe the kind of chances he was getting from open play. Even the goal they scored, the Marsal with the header, that was Semedo assisting the assister. So he's constantly involved in that attack. And what's happening, Jimenez is dropping very deep. And we have some, in fact, a separate slide here for Wolves. I'll just show it to you guys. The pass map. You see where <clears> Jimenez <throat> is playing is behind... Trincao and Adama, he's the one providing the passes for those guys. And Semedo is constantly the outlet on that right wing. Correct. And also, if you notice, what's happening is, they, they, so first of all, credit to Bruno Lage to have such a set system in place so quick. Jimenez is actually playing the Firmino role. And uh, Trincao and uh, Traoré are adding, acting like inside forwards. I wish Trincao didn't have that minutes threat because I think he's the one. I think he's talented. I think against opposition that sits, sits also, I think he had the better chances and the better creation. Even that first Semedo chance, it was Trincao that made that pass from his left foot as well. And I think he's just a fabulous player. I, I love watching him as well. Semedo is the one who's making those runs in field. So he's got a lot more touches inside the box. And Marcel is the one who's the who's hogging the bylines, who's hogging the touchlines, and he's sending in more crosses. So Semedo is the more goal uh, fullback with the higher goal threat, and Marcel is the fullback with the higher assist threat. And I think uh, in that case, I think the 0.4 million price difference is worth it for Semedo. Like you can see, uh, look at the touches that uh, 
Semedo has inside the box. And you can see that Marcel is actually just hogging the touchdown and crossing a lot more. The positioning is a lot more cross-focused. You can see it in the stats in the next slide as well. So, can you pull the next slide? Yeah. So, even when it comes to the numbers, uh, they tell a story, but I'm just trying to pull that up because I can't see your yeah. screen. So, I'll, I'll can you read out the numbers? Yes. Of, yeah. So, you have average penalty box touches, 3.7 for Semedo versus 1 just for Marcel. Average goal attempts, 1.7 versus 1.08. Goal attempts in box, 1.0 versus 0.2. Shots on target, 0.3 to 0. Big chances total, 0.7 to 0.2. Minutes per attempt, 54 to 120. Massive differences. Yep, yep. And they're in the top 5 for XGC as well. So I think if you're in the market for a defender, I think you go Semedo at the moment. I think Zoff, you're looking at Semedo in this week. So, and it's interesting, I'll talk about that. I'm a bit confused whether to do it for Shemikas or for Ailing. Because I'm pretty convinced Shemikas plays this weekend. It depends on the lineups tomorrow. So, we'll get to that. Any word on... Go on, go on. I have a few okay. numbers down here. Okay. Um, I was going through some of um, Bruno Lage's um, numbers when he was at Benfica in 1920. His, his left in back... 1920? Um, 1920, 1920. <laughs> um, so his, his left backs uh, that season, Grimaldo, 26 starts, 6 assists. Nuno Tavares, 11 starts, 1 goal, 4 assists. Um, the left backs have 10 assists and, and a goal between them in 37 starts. The right back, Andre Almeida, has 24 starts, 4 goals and 5 assists. 11 goal involvements in 24 starts for the right back. That just tells you how involved he likes his fullbacks to be. And honestly, Marcel and Semedo are going to be incredible value this season. Semedo in particular is going to be on an, on another level, in my opinion. He's going to be an absolute beast. Zofa, I saw you have this conversation with somebody on Twitter where somebody was like, but Semedo can't finish. What's your answer to them? I mean, you have to get a player who gets these opportunities, right? It's like Raheem Sterling. We always say that he's not the best finisher, but he just gets so many chances that eventually he will find the goal. Exactly. Yeah, just like Timo Werner. <laughs> he's not even getting the chance. Short fire. Poor guy. Poor guy. No, yeah. I, I know, but but he's a Timo Werner fan, bigger fan than I am. So I just I, I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> nice segue to your team, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Uh, I don't know how. Do you want to touch upon Watford though? Because the next three fixtures are, I think, as yeah. good as it can get for any yes. team. Norwich, Newcastle, and Leeds. I know I talked up Sars the last spot, but he was completely shut down. He didn't have a single shot in the box this whole game. Marcel really did a job on him. And Wolves in general, Watford had just the two shots inside the box all game. Exactly. There you go. So I think the next three fixtures are pretty good. Norwich. Newcastle leads all three teams that have struggled defensively so far. No, if FPL gods were supposed to design a set of three fixtures where you'd like your attack to play against, I think it would be these three teams at the moment. I don't think it gets better Precisely. at the moment given the defensive form. Yeah, uh, just, just worth just mentioning that, that Star did have that chance that he created for Josh King, which will not be recorded in the stats. It's something where he was behind the defense and King just needed to put one foot and he was very close to putting that uh, in. So it's just something that I noticed. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think you sell your Watford attacker if you own them at the moment. That's Definitely for sure. Because, like you mentioned, I just showed you the stats. So, in terms of open play, goal attempts conceded. Newcastle, fifth bottom. Norwich, third bottom. Deed, second bottom. Like yep. you said, yep. Yep. couldn't cherry pick better opponents. Yep. All right. Chelsea, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Off. 
The scoreline fl- score flattered us massively. It was a Kovacic show, I think, with Mount play, not playing. Kovacic had a lot more responsibility in terms of ball progression. And seeing that Kovacic is almost ready to go up in price, I can't be- believe people are buying Kovacic. I think it's only the third time in his entire career he's only assisted and scored in the same game. It was his first league goal at Stamford Bridge. So, please don't be buying Kovacic. He's a great player to watch, but he's not really an FPL option. In terms of Chelsea, heavy rotation in the squad. Mason Mount didn't play. A lot of the like backline was changed up. I think he took. I think probably because it's an international break post. Just because the players were a bit disjointed, we didn't really deserve to win three 0 I thought Villa played very well. Mendy kept us in it. But now we have a clinical finisher in Lukaku that makes all the difference. I also two think he was saving goals. Mount for the next two games. Which were big yeah. games for you guys, right? I mean, you guys have uh, uh, Spurs and City. And I think he'll want Mount for those games for sure. Which is why I think he was saving them as well. Right. He probably looked at this as a winnable fixture with Martinez, Buendia, etc. all out, right? But Villa yeah. looked, I think, I thought looked pretty good. I was very impressed with Bailey when he came on. I thought he had a good impact. He's going to be fun to watch. He had this whole battle going on in the corner. He tried a nutmeg and all that stuff. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I've, I've, I've earmarked that run for uh, Villa. Game week 7 onwards, Wolves, Arsenal, West Ham, Southampton, Brighton, Crystal Palace. I think uh, Watkins, Ings, maybe one of the midfielders might enter our thinking at that point. I don't mind investments. And I, they, like I agree with you, they did show promise. And yeah, I think uh, Lukaku showed what he's capable of. I don't think his owners were lucky at all. This is the caliber of the player that you have at the moment where even if he gets two shots, he's, he's going to convert them. And imagine when Chelsea is playing a team which might concede a lot more chances than you're in for a good run with that guy. Correct. Anything else okay. to add him? Move on to Leeds, Liverpool? No, move on. No, Zoff, I want to talk about defenders uh, at the moment because a lot of defender people are still in the market for Chelsea defender. Anything to add compared to what you said last season? Because Christensen didn't play. Christensen last, didn't last play and, and that's going to happen every now and then. I think out of the entire back three, probably you'd say... Aspie is the most nailed along with Rudiger. But Christensen, the appeal is the price. You can get an addition, you can get a Ben White to cover his absences. If he misses out, he can get a Marcel to cover his absences, which gives you more depth in the bench as well. The left back situation if I is was, interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Luka. If I if I was on a wild card this week, I'd get James, honestly. That was going to be my next point. I think James is definitely one of the out of the fullback positions. I think James is more nailed now this year because he can cross a lot better to Lukaku. And I think Chilwell, I'm surprised he hadn't got a game yet. But I think he's back in the equation now. As per Tuchel's latest comments, we might see him start in the Champions League. So that spot, I think, rotation is going to be annoying because uh, Alonso is probably going to play the easier games. With Chilwell playing the Champions League game. So the left wing back spot is dodgy. I just think something's up with Ben Chilwell. Uh, Something's... Something has been up with Ben Chilwell since the Euros. Because uh, even if you remember, there were so many times where... uh, he Southgate didn't even include him in the squad, uh, and there you had an option of a lot of players being on the squad. So I think there's just been some sort of news which uh, isn't out in the media, etc. And something's been up with him for a while. So because even the comments that Tuchel's been making, where you know he's talking about positivity and he's feeling a lot better and all of that. So I think there's just some news and info that we don't have yet with Probably. Ben Chilwell. So I I don't think you make a move there until he plays a couple of games at least. Right. Leeds, yeah. Liverpool, Bakker, you want to lead this one? 
I, I didn't own uh, Jota um, for this fixture and I had the goal notifications on and every single time Liverpool scored, I was uh, my heart sort of skipped a beat and at the end of the day, I caught the highlights and I was lucky enough to, to catch the fact that Mane uh, basically missed all the opportunities that Jota created on a plate for him. His owners were very, very unlucky. Um, Jota played really, really well. He created two chances for Mane, two big chances. He really should have had more points. Similarly for Salah, actually. Salah himself had two big chances and scored just the one time. And I think us non-captainers sort of got away with it because this could have been a game where Salah could have had, uh, you know, 14, 15 points, actually. Um, other than that, Trent Trent's numbers caught my eye yet again. He, he created five, chance, uh, five chances, which now takes him to 20 chances created for the season which is by far and away the best for any player in the league. The second highest is Grealish on 13, which just tells you, you know, Trent, he is a play every week regardless of the fixture. I mean, I had had penciled this down as, as a bit of a tough fixture for Liverpool and I didn't necessarily expect them to keep a clean sheet. But this is the thing with Trent. One assist and clean sheet and boom, 12 points. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel uh, bad for Salah captainers, Mane and Jota owners. I think all three of them could have had at least two Mane? or three return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel bad for them because he I had the chances. Know, the second time Mane has gone on tilt this season. He did this against Burnley as well just because he misses one or two, three chances. After that, he just becomes selfish and refuses to pass the ball. Yeah, but how many of those chances where he didn't pass the ball weren't clear opportunities? I mean, if Salah was in that position, he'd take a shot from the position Mane was taking shots from as well. So, I, I don't blame him too much. I think that's just... A, it's his role. He's a, he's a supposed to be a selfish attacker, which is what works for Liverpool. He just didn't have his shooting boots on, on the day, which happens to any player. It's happened to Mane for the last year almost, but it's something you take into consideration. I don't think they were ridiculous the shots that he took from the positions that he was in. Mm. I think he has I just right felt a few, few times he could have played in a defender. He could have created a better, clearer chance for his teammates. A few times, I felt. Yeah. Just want to add one thing that has uh, changed a fair bit from last season is Salah's creative role. Only Grealish and Trent have created more chances than Mo Salah amongst anybody in FPL this season. So, I think... Uh, Salah is getting more routes to points. So, just adds adds confidence to captaining Mo Salah if you needed that anyway. And uh, Mane is on top of the league right now for non-penalty HG. So, just something worth pointing out. Because if Trent is in form, Mane is always a good option. That's something I've noticed from previous experiences. Anything What's up with Leeds? Yeah, the Leeds have not looked... They're, they're sort of missing their mojo. But the, the season starts now. There was a good interview with the chairman after... First of all, we should say we all hope that Harvey Elliott gets well soon. It was a really nasty injury. Yeah. It was a nice touch from him uh, where he was in the hospital with somebody else also. Uh, he was a kid and he he was in his kid then still. And he just gave it to him and that kid tweeted and it was just nice. Uh, he seems like a very mature, mature guy for his age as well. I think Liverpool, he's a, he's a big, he's going to be a big player for them. Love the guy. In terms of leads, I guess hold Rafinha, get in Bamford if you need a, a forward. But Avoid the defense right now. And if you have ailing, okay. go ahead. So, this, this has been a very pertinent question this week. Very popular. Uh, if you own Rafinha, would a double off, double up on Bamford put you off? No, because we did basket wasting. Yeah. We talk about exactly. basket wasting from Agreed. day one. So, absolutely not. Exactly. Completely agree. I look. I like looking at each pick in isolation as well. And 
I firmly believe that Leeds will turn it around. So um, I want to be early to the party rather than late. Yeah, and also with uh, also with people who are put off by Rafina having only one and four at the moment. I think the points will come. I thought he looked pretty good in real life in the game as well. I thought Rafina and Bamford both were decent in attack, at least. So I wouldn't be against buying either, as long as Bamford is fine. Just worth pointing out because there's a lot of panic in our chat as well, where people are talking about Bamford injury rumors. Uh, all three of us at the moment think it's nothing. It was just, uh, I mean, if you're playing Bielsa ball, you're going to get tired, and if your hamstrings don't ping, it's it's actually a problem. So it's nothing. A little bit of a rest and some massaging can sort. So just wait. For uh, Thursday, for Bielsa's press, it's nothing but speculation. I wouldn't panic at the moment. Absolutely. Move yep. on. Last fixture. Yes, last fixture. Nothing too much to add on Burnley, Everton. I think Gray and Townsend are worth looking at as midfield. I think as cheap picks. Defense, Bakar, yeah. as a Dean owner, tell me what do you think about the defensive prospects? Their numbers have been good. Uh... Uh, this season, but this uh, this game was was one where um, they conceded three three big chances, which I, which is actually more than uh, what they've conceded in all season. So uh, they didn't deserve to keep a clean sheet. Burnley were the far better side in the first half, actually, and thoroughly deserved uh, to lead um, when they did. But I mean, um, he's he's a keep for me. I mean, if he uh, with the fixtures Villa away. Norwich at home, I think he's a keep for me. He's still um, on set pieces, which is great. Townsend isn't uh, taking set pieces. Um, so whenever Everton are to keep a clean sheet, Dean will get a uh, probably a, a nice sizable chunk of the bonus, which is which is good for the next couple of game weeks. Agreed. Just want to mention they've been top five in the league for XG this season, which is I thought was a pretty decent stat. That's just that's all I want to add. Great. Should we move on now to the preview for the next week? Yes. We'll just do the captaincies because kickoff yeah. is in five minutes and I don't want to miss there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's just do captaincy. I think any Salah standout choice, the Liverpool fixture looks great. Yep, I'm on Mo Salah at exactly. the moment. Uh, the only thing worth pointing out is that Palace's defensive stats, like we spoke about previously as well, they're pretty good. They're in the best five in the league for their defensive stats, most of the underlying numbers. Uh, so, and West Ham are mid-table for the defensive stats. So, if somebody wants to go for Ronaldo, good luck with that. I'm not doing it, but just wanted to point out these stats. Exactly. And Liverpool are the best for XG this season, which is yeah. also very pertinent. Yep, yep, yep. Do you think no, anything City happens player. on the right-hand side? Because uh, Harvey Elliott enabled a lot on the right-hand side for both Salah and Trent, where he was a good link-up player. But Hendo's been doing it for all seasons except the previous one, and both Salah and Trent have been good assets, except for not as good assets last season when Hendo wasn't there. So I think Hendo makes up for Elliott. He'll just play the role differently. Hmm. Another yeah. point uh, which we forgot to make is the home and away factor. Um, which I think is very pertinent for uh, captaincy. I, I said last week that 62% of the goals this season have been scored at home and uh, 38 away. Even in this game, like 58% were scored at home and 42% away. So just that haul potential, you know, that that home game gives me the more security uh, for it being a haul for someone like Mo Salah. Yep, yep, yep. Just a question in the pod. A few people are asking because I think they're on wildcard. Uh, they're asking for best picks if you were on wildcard. So I just want to... I actually played around with a wildcard draft while I was, I was in panic station. So I think uh, keeper, like we mentioned earlier, you go for either Sanchez, Sa, 
uh, or even Pickford. I think those are the options if you go in that bracket. If you are more of a risk taker, you go for Ramsdale. In defense, boys, if you disagree, just uh, let me know because I think at least we can assist our listeners here. In defense, I think I'd look at uh, one of resource Shaw in addition to Trent. Trent is a no-brainer for all three of us. And then you go for Semedo, who all three of us like as well. In midfield, I think we like Salah, Jota and Rafinha. I think you build around that. And up front, you have Ronaldo or Lukaku, one of them. It's okay to not have uh, either. Or I think you start with Ronaldo and you move to Lukaku. If you want to start with Lukaku, it's fine as well. Uh, and you go with uh, Bamford if he's fine. Any, any, I'd, any I'd, actually go with, I'd actually go with four at the back. I'd have all four of Trent, Semedo, Shaw and James. That's, that's what I do. Shaw four, is three, the one I'd probably skip out on. Yeah, I, I just pointed out why I like Shaw earlier on, and that's why. No, I know, and, you know, short term. Uh, I like him short term, but then the, again, with yeah, and a possible fourth midfielder off of Gallagher. Hmm. Correct. Fair enough. Correct. Cool. All three of us on Salah, captain. Yes. Yep. As of now. All right. Cool. Right. Move on to our teams. Yes. Sure. I think Pranil, this is your team up first. I see Billy Gilmore in there. Yes, uh, just going to read out the team for the benefit of the listeners. My team is on its last legs. I think my team is feeling its hamstrings as well at the moment. Uh, as my keeper, I have Sanchez. In defense, I have Trent, Shaw and Luke Ailing. I'm dreading playing a Leeds United defender. I'm hoping to fluke a clean sheet. I have Salah as captain, Greenwood, Rafinha, Benrama and Gilmore in my midfield. Gilmore is playing Watford at home, so I'm just taking that shot. Uh, and up front, I have Ronaldo and Bamford. And I don't have a playing bench. I have Webster and Antonio on my bench. And I've used my free transfer, panic-stricken last night, to do DCL to Bamford. So that's my team. Uh, at the moment... If somebody's injured in the Champions League or if some sort of news comes out for Bamford, I might look at a minus four and do Webster to Semedo and uh, hold on to the wild card because traveling on Friday and I think I really want to think through my wild card and I'll sacrifice a few points at the moment. But if my mind changes in the next two days, I don't know. Agree. No wild card required. Good. Yeah. Bakar? I have Sanchez in goal, Shaw, Trent, Dean, uh, Rafinha, Greenwood, Salah, Captain, Fernand Torres, Ben Rama, Bamford, and Ronaldo. Uh, my captain will be Mo Salah. On the bench, I have Simicas, Omabitele, and Scarlett. In case Bamford is, is injured, I, I think Simicas is going to play. So Simicas is going to come on in that case. I, I, in fact, I'm actually half tempted to play Simicas over Ben Rama uh, because I really like uh, the fixture for Liverpool in terms of a clean sheet. And, you know, in, in the worst case scenario, I even have a Mabadele was a decent fixture against Watford. So I, I don't think I need to make a transfer at all. You've already made a transfer. Yeah, I mean, to need to make another transfer for hit is what I meant. Cool. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Cool. Right. So the, save the time. This is pretty much the same teams as Buckers. I haven't made the transfer yet for Antonio to Bamford. So this is what I was telling you guys. I'm a bit confused now. I want to give Simicas a run out. But at the same time, he's the weakest link in my squad. And it makes sense I sell him for Semedo. But then I would end up having to probably play White. So I'm not even sure. But ideally, I'd rather play Semedo and Simicas and sell Ailing. But then that's going to leave me a hole in my squad. Like, you know, if, if Firmino has a setback, I want to get rid of that dud third Liverpool slot. You never know what's going to happen in the coming few weeks. So, it's a decision I have to make there. It all depends, I guess, on the minutes Robertson gets in the Champions League tomorrow. 
Correct. Correct. That's going to make my decision. Cool. Let's wrap up. All right, guys. We are uh, apologizing. We are not going to do a Q&A today because we're all football fans and we want to watch Manchester United play the Champions League. Uh, apologies for that. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, thank you for being with us and good luck this game week, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. Bye. Hope you smash it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.